Hello, and welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or you want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Power, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that are sure to help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive, or for those who are comfortable, join us for our in-person services in the upper room of the Lockport, Illinois Moose Lodge, Sundays at 10 on 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, and how to give, visit us at the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive! Happy Easter! Resurrection Day, He is risen! If you're new to this church thing, here's how it goes. It's okay. I say He is risen, you say He is risen indeed, okay? He is risen! He is risen indeed! He is risen! There we go. We never use that word anymore, right? Like, how are you doing? Good. Indeed. (laughs) Nobody says that anymore. Indeed. (laughs) I want to bring that back. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Absolutely. For sure. And, uh, And that is the best headline ever. Jesus is alive. He lives. It's a great old song we used to sing in church a long time ago, back when we rode dinosaurs and got off the ark and we sang this song um, uh, because he lives I can face tomorrow man what a good song because he lives all fear is gone man I need to know that in this time fear is saturated our world you know, I think, like, if we fast forward less than 100 years ago, right, my grandfather's generation, a lot of people called it the greatest generation, right? I mean, men who signed up to go to war to fight Nazis, which is a good reason to sign up to go to war, to, and, and, to, and to, to stand tall, to stand fast. There were literally some men who took their own lives because they couldn't make it in because they were denied uh, acceptance in the military. And it was such a shame to them that they couldn't fight alongside such a righteous cause in their mind. Can you imagine? And I think fast forward to now, the mindset has shifted so much. We're just so much more afraid. And not that we don't have reason to be. We have great reason to be afraid. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. Headlines are filled with fear. We live in a culture of it, don't we? Matter of fact, I would say headlines today are are not good. Here's a few classic headlines that were also not so good. Okay, here's a good headline. Breathing oxygen linked to staying alive. (laughs) Good article. Publish it. (laughs) Next. Homicide victims rarely talk to police. It's true. Did you know that? That's a good stat. Write that down. They rarely... Marijuana issue sent to a joint committee. (laughs) I think they already had it. Um, We hate math, says 4 in 10, a majority of Americans. (laughs) That's a good one. Statistics show that teen pregnancy drops off significantly after age 25. So that's a relief. Glad, glad that that's stopping. What, what happened here? That like right now that we are in this time, the thing is I don't think our, our headlines are like that now, but not funny. 
constant fear, constant. And the truth is, there's reasons to be afraid. We want the truth, right? But I don't know about you, I don't want the truth soaked in a perspective. I just want the information. Seems almost impossible to get now, isn't it? And you're like, oh, great, he's one of those guys. You don't know which side I'm talking from. Because <laughs> the truth is, we're so polarized, you could say that from either end and still mean it. The truth is, we live in a time of a lot of very bad news. Here's some horrible news that came out within the last week. Church membership among U.S. adults now, for the first time maybe in U.S. history, below 50%. Definitely for the first time in, I believe, it's 40 to 60 years. And I don't know about you, I cannot look around today and think, we're getting better. We're really, we're just getting along. Everybody agrees. We are all signed on the same dotted line of what, what our culture should be and how we should react to things. I was just talking to some people. It's, it's it, it, you know, how you, how, there's, everybody thinks the way they view the virus is the way everybody views it. It's not. It's not. If you're like, yeah, it is. I'm telling you, it is. It's not. Everybody's different. I'm not arguing for one side or the other. I'm just saying it's different. It's nobody's the same. Why? Because we're not made the same. We live in this world with all this information. We don't even know what's true anymore. I'm going to tell you what's true. Jesus is alive. What's, a, what's true today is Jesus is risen. More than anything else, I'm going to tell you, it is, Jesus is alive is more true than everything that's happening right now. It's more true than who's in the White House. It's more true than that neighbor that moved in next door that you can't stand, okay? It's more true. It's more true than your boss that is just, that is just going crazy and, and never leaving you alone. Jesus is alive is more true than all of it. I think the reason so many people have left the church is because the church stopped being the church proclaiming this truth. Jesus is alive. Everybody else is afraid. We're not. It's not because we can't get sick. We can get sick. I had it. I had the virus. And a bunch of people in this church did. It sucks. I don't want to get it again. But even in the midst of it, did fear take hold of my life? No. Was I afraid at times? Sure. You bet I was. Sure. Stunk. Didn't have to be checked into a hospital by God's grace and goodness. But the reality was, no matter what happens to this body, I will live. He is alive. I live because he lives. And if you believe this message, I'm not talking about messing or not trusting God or testing God. Okay, please don't run out, lick subway rails, okay? <laughs> you measure out what you feel is best for you and your family, and you trust God with that. And we 100% respect that. Never, ever take medical advice from me. Not a doctor. Not giving it. Not going to offer it. I'm bad at it. You'll die if you take my advice. <laughs> probably. Seven Tylenol? That's probably fine. <laughs> Do it. I don't know. What I would tell you is, but what you can know is no matter what happens, you will live. 
if you know Jesus. Sunday is always coming. Sunday's on the way. Sunday is here. Jesus is alive. And in the biblical story, they forgot it just like we've forgotten it now. Over half the country. Do you realize less than 20 years ago, 70, 80% of this country identified as Christian? Now, that doesn't mean they were living it. That doesn't mean they believed it. They just identified as it, right? Okay? I can identify as my couch, which you could see sometimes. It would look like that. <laughs> but it's not necessarily true. You would delineate between, no, that's you, that's the couch. You seem to be blending, but you're separate. Okay? <laughs> well, the same is true about Christians. People said, I'm a Christian. Now, that doesn't mean they were. But now... 20 years ago, 10 years ago, people at least felt like, I belong to that. I think I believe that. Fast forward to now, in a time I think we need the message of Jesus more than ever, the resurrection more than ever, we believe less than ever. Fear is overtaken. The headline that fear is more real than a risen Savior has taken over. But it's not so different on this day 2,000 years ago. The disciples, the, the ones closest to Jesus, felt the exact same thing we're feeling now, probably quite a bit worse. Because they were literally like, if we get caught, they will kill us. They will imprison us. Our lives will be over. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 20. This is on Resurrection Day. Early on Sunday morning while it was still dark. So that's early. I try not to get up before the sun because I feel like if God's not up, why should I be? It's just, it's just logic. It just makes sense. But they were up, and probably because for the last several days, they weren't sleeping. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. You should know this stone took multiple guards and usually a, pulley, a, a leveraging system of poles to roll the stone in and out of place. So there's no guards and the stone has been moved. It had been guarded by Roman soldiers and several, probably a couple thousand pounds, the weight of maybe a car, and it's moved and the, and the soldiers are gone. So right away you think, something's up. Something's going on. This isn't what it was the last couple days. She ran, uh, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John, by the way. She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. I love this part. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You know the guy who wrote this caption? That guy. <laughs> I love how John gets a moment. Divine, God is divinely inspiring John. And he even lets John just be like, I was faster than Peter. <laughs> I really love Jesus. <laughs> Peter, no. He fell in the water too. Did you know that? <laughs> Just saying. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. 
he also noticed the linen wrappings lying <laughs> Just the back and forth with these guys. So he doesn't say his name. He stooped, but he didn't go in. Then Peter went in, you know, like, so he beats him there. And Peter's like, well, I'm going in, you know. <laughs> just, this, the, just brothers, right, back and forth, like, you may have beat me there, but I'm, I'm going to go in the tomb, right? I dare you. Nuh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. John. All right, I'll go in. He saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scripture that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stood and looked in. Such, such a contrast, right? Men and women. Men are like, there? He's not there? All right, let's go home. A woman's like, Like, where's the grief? Where's the processing? Where's the emotions? You cold-hearted men. <laughs> she stands and like, our Savior's gone. This isn't like a thing to you? She stays. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body had been lying. Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. The angels asked, why are you crying? And here's why. Because the citizens of heaven, those who actually belong, the, 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 the celestial beings of heaven, these angels, they understood Jesus at his, at his word. When he says he's going to rise, he will rise. When he says he's going to do what he's going to do, he's going to do it. They knew it. We're the ones who are like, no, nah, I don't know. I don't know if God's going to come through. And the angel's like, what, what's your problem? You don't believe God? I don't understand that. Going on, she turned and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? This is great. She thought he was the gardener. You ever been in Walmart, walked up to somebody and like, hey, do you know where I can find the copy paper? And they'll look at you and you're like, I don't work here. <laughs> you ever had that moment in a store? It's not a great moment. <laughs> There's an amount of shame that comes on you in that moment. You're like, I'm sorry. You just look like someone who works at Walmart. <laughs> There's no way out of it. <laughs> Imagine, like, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were the savior of the world. I thought you pulled weeds for a living. <laughs> Among dead people. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him. I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said. <laughs> she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni which is a Hebrew word for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary and Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave him this message. So there's, there's three people in the story outside of the angels and Jesus. Obviously, this is Jesus' story. 
But from the human perspective, you've got three people. You've got Peter, John, and Mary Magdalene. Peter is the delusioned one, disillusioned one. A few days before, right? A few days before, what happened? Peter says, I'm going to stand by you. I'm going to fight by you. I'm going to, I'm going to go to war for you, Jesus. I'm going to stick with you. And, and Jesus is like, no, you're going to deny me because of a little eight-year-old girl. And that's what he does. We talked about it a couple days ago at the Good Friday service. He is so terrified of a little girl calling him out, he, he denies Jesus within earshot and runs away. In the garden, he pulls out a sword and chops off a soldier's ear, thinking, this is it. It's revolution time. We're going to war. This is our moment. Rise up. Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on, which is impressive. <laughs> but can you imagine Peter like, we're going to war. Jesus like, no. Now put that back. And he does. He heals him. And then he's like, I'm not here to start a revolution. Not that revolution. I'm here to start one in the spirit. I'm here to win back humanity, not just a kingdom. So Peter has gotten it wrong the whole time. Oh, and within a few days before that, within a few weeks, most likely Peter was rebuked uh, for, for being Satan, which is a whole other conversation. Peter has had a bad run. And then he runs out on Jesus, and then he's not there. And then, as he goes to the tomb, you know, the guy who says, I'm closer to Jesus, literally gets there first. He just can't win. And his Savior dies, and now his Savior's gone. Have you ever been to the place in life where it was just, you just couldn't win. And you become disillusioned. And, it, and maybe, it's from, maybe it's from leaders or, or maybe it's from your friends or yourself. You just, you've been let down so much, so many times and so often from your own choices, from things that have happened to you, from, from people that, man, I respected them. I looked up to them and look what they did to me. Look how they let me down. Look how they left me. Look, look what I did to them. That feeling of disillusionment. If you're young, you may not have experienced yet. You will. It's called life. It happens. Someday a hero will let you down. They will not do what you thought they were supposed to do. Right? There's giant crowds of people like, well, uh, on this day, Trump's going to be the president again. I don't think so. <laughs> Disillusioned people. I'm just in that. There are disillusioned people. And I'm telling you, it's because you put your hope in somebody that your hope wasn't meant to hold. Your hope is only, can only be sustained by Jesus Christ. Nobody else. Some of you are like, well, now, the guy who's in now. That's, that's, no, no. Still just a person. The only one who can sustain and uphold our hope is Jesus Christ. The only one. Look, I'm not commenting. Whatever happens with politics is in the Lord's hands. He's sovereign. I trust him with it. I pray a lot. What I am saying is, do you know that feeling of being disillusioned? 
I once had a pastor that I worked for that I really respected and liked, and one day he, he just kind of turned. Turns out he had some struggles, some personal struggles, I, but I ended up being the, 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 the post for it, that, that kind of whipping post moment for it. And in that moment, one day, for about an hour, hour and a half, he verbally just came at me. Personal attacks, verbal, spiritual. And then, and then and the next day, he did the same thing to the point where I was weeping, crying in tears. And I thought, I must be this messed up, this broken. And the truth is, am I that messed up and broken? Sure, because I'm human. But in that moment, my hero to me, somebody I looked up to, somebody that was a father figure, just laid waste at me. What do you do in that moment? What do you do when you're the kid who steps up to the plate and you're like, if I could just get on base, if I just get the home run, it doesn't happen. What do you do when your spouse, you thought, they'll never hurt me. And I'm like, first, what a crazy thought about marriage. <laughs> they will hurt you over and over because they're human. You thought, I'll, ne I'll never get hurt like that. Yes, they will. What do you do in that moment? What do you do when you failed more times than you can count? And you're like, I don't even know how to get out of it. I've dug myself a pit so deep, I, I can't climb out anymore. That's where Peter is. And what Peter does is it says he saw the linen strips that he, but the Greek word there is a Greek word called theoreo, which means to like investigate. He went in and he, he looked over these things and he, he began to tear them apart. He began to see, this is, not, this is not normal. See, if they stole the body, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they take everything with them? You see, it doesn't make sense. Those spices, those things that were on Jesus to preserve the body, they cost so much money back then. So if you're going to steal it, you would have done so, not for the sake of just propagating something, but for the sake of self-promotion. They left those things behind. Why would you do that? You say the Pharisees might have done it. That doesn't make sense. They wanted him dead. And they wanted the proof he was dead. The Romans wanted nothing to do with it. And anything that makes them look humiliated is not something you want to do. So the Romans wouldn't. So why? And they were folded up as if they were just passed through and, and laid to the ground. I think in this moment, Peter is now having the best worst day of his life. Because Peter realizes he may be alive. And I thought I was devastated before, but now I might have to face him. And I denied him. And I mixed up his message. What am I going to do now? But here's the best part. Peter, Jesus ends up restoring Peter. Not that day. Days to weeks later. But what happens is, he goes from the liar, from the, from the deceived, from the loser, the disillusioned. Jesus at a campfire in the morning once says, he says, hey, Peter, make me breakfast. Isn't that great? Like when somebody feels bad, you can just kind of leverage stuff against them, right? Like I just feel so bad. I understand. I need a ride to the airport. So. <laughs> right? Just, it's not that you don't forgive him. You just kind of leverage that a little. I think Peter, Jesus in that moment was like, I know you feel bad, Peter. I'm hungry. Whip up some fish. 
And Jesus has this restoration moment of him, and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? He asks him three times, and it's like for every denial Peter had, the three denials, Jesus restores him. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It's almost as if Jesus is saying to Peter, you're restored, you're restored, you're restored. Not because you love me three times, but because I rose. Because Sunday was always coming. Peter forgot in the midst of it from Friday that Sunday is coming. Sunday is always coming, guys. The resurrection power of Jesus didn't, st- uh, didn't stop on Easter. It started. And it's still alive today. And it's still moving. The New Testament says it lives inside of us for those who believe. Peter forgot. Peter lost sight because Peter focused on his failure instead of on the Savior. He focused on what he did versus what Jesus was going to do. The best part of the Christian faith is it's not about you. (laughs) It's about him and what he did. Jesus rose up, and he said, I got this. And Peter becomes Peter the determined. When Jesus restores him, he realizes, hey, I don't have to get this whole thing right, because Jesus did. Peter becomes the leader of the church. He starts, he gives a sermon one day, that Peter's a guy who can never shut up. And the first day that the Holy Spirit falls, he's like, great, I'm giving the sermon. I wonder if the apostles in the back were like, who voted this guy to give the sermon? I want to speak. John is there. John is the guy who's deserted. He was the best friend of Jesus. He was close to him. I think John, Peter was stuck on Friday. John became stuck on Saturday. I'm alone now. I have nobody. John is left alone. He's, he's vacant. He's empty. And instead of, instead of Sunday morning realizing Sunday is coming, he thinks I'm empty. And Jesus is screaming, no, the grave will be empty. You will never be empty again, John. You'll never be alone again. You'll never be deserted. Do you know that's the last thing Jesus said to us? And I will never leave you or forsake you. If you're in prison, you're not alone. If you're hated, you're not alone. If you're stuck with disease, you're not alone. If you know Jesus, there is no such thing as loneliness anymore. You'll never be alone. If you're like, I'm in a lonely marriage, I'm not saying you don't feel lonely, but you're never alone. You have the best friend ever. John still had all his brothers, but he felt alone because his Savior was gone. John now got to the place many years later. He's the guy who closes out the Bible. God uses him to write Revelation. He writes that alone on an island, (laughs) banished forever on an island called Patmos. Look it up. Not now. Pay attention. Okay. (laughs) He's... But I think John is able to do that because even in that moment, God literally shows up on the island with John and gives him the revelation. John John at this point gets it. I'm never alone. He got stuck on Saturday. He forgot Sunday is coming. Sunday is always coming. And that last person there, Mary, the dejected, 
Now, you should know something. One of the things that proves the validity of the resurrection story is the recording of a woman at the tomb. You've got to realize nobody did that then. Matter of fact, Jesus is one of the first ones ever in history and definitely in religious history to say women have as much value as a man does. And think no less. You would never have reported. And not only that, Mary is the first to see Jesus. She's the first to be told by Jesus to go do something after the resurrection. Matter of fact, a famous, well-known early Greek philosopher, Celsus, who hated Christianity, reasoned about Mary Magdalene. How can anyone expect rational men to listen to the testimony of a hysterical female? If you don't believe the Christian narrative, I'm just telling you, you're joining the ranks of that guy. Not good company. But Jesus knew that, knew better. Now, more than that, Mary's story. Do you know who Mary was? Mary was a woman who had seven demons, most likely a prostitute. And Jesus gave her new life, cast the demons out of her. A demonic possession and hold over her life. But the problem was, now he was gone. Now what? And even when Jesus shows up, she didn't see him. So if, if some of you are like, yeah, girl power. Mary's first. She didn't get it yet either. <laughs> because we're all human. Man and woman. And the, Bible, the New Testament says, there is no man or woman. You're in Christ or you're not. That's the level playing field. The foot of the cross, level ground. But God shows up to her first. Now, she doesn't see him. She thinks he's the gardener. But then what does he do? He says her name. This is Mary. It's as if to say, hey, that thing I did in you, it's real. It's true. I'm alive. And you're restored. You're whole. Grave, the grave can't hold me. And the grave can't stop what God wants to do in your life. That tomb today is totally empty. There's nobody in it. And some of you, you've never met that Jesus who rose from that grave. And you're sitting, in a, you're sitting in the grave. Here's the thing. We don't believe here that Jesus makes your life better. We believe here that Jesus takes you from death to life. Now, that being said, if you know him, you and I, we can get stuck sitting in graves again. We can get stuck in what I would call grave patterns. Things that, that just slowly chip away at our faith. Chip away at our, at our hope in Jesus Christ. You now live in a world that, I, I mean, I'm 41. And I, I can't believe in the last 10 years how much this, the world that I knew, changed. I mean, Exponentially. And some of you are like, that's because you're old. <laughs> that's fair. That's fine. That's your perception. 
But I've asked older people than me, and I've said, have you watched, I mean, is it me, is it, or is, it, is the world changing at, at, at an exponential rate? And they, and they all agreed, no, absolutely. We've never seen it like this. It's changing like that. And in that time, it's so hard to not adopt the patterns and the mindset of the grave. We won't make it. I don't belong. I better do the right things or what if I don't make it? And I am telling you, whatever truths are out now, whatever science, whatever politicians, whatever's happening in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, whatever it is, that grave is empty. Nothing that happens now can change that day. Sunday is always coming. Do you believe it? Do you believe in a Savior that wants to know your name? That wants to heal your heart? That takes somebody like Mary and makes her the redeemed? She becomes a leader in the church. She becomes the first one to be commissioned by Jesus. Go and tell them. The first one. She went from, 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 from the slut and the outcast to the first one called by Jesus by name and sent out. Because that's what an empty grave can do. Man, Sunday's real. It's why the church actually celebrates every Sunday. Because this is the day that Jesus showed up. Nobody's over him. Nobody beats him. Nobody defeats him. I want to ask you a question. Some of you have grave patterns in your life. You just keep thinking about things that bring death to your soul. Where you failed, what let you down, what's going wrong, what you can't fix. You're disillusioned with yourself. Like, I just, I just can't get it together. You're like Peter. You're like John, and you're just like, I just feel so alone. You're like Mary, and you're just like, I'm just, I'm hopeless. I just feel hopeless. And those are normal feelings. They're human. Notice Jesus didn't respond with anger to Mary. He didn't yell at her. He showed up with kindness, and he called her by name. And I believe the Savior of the universe is doing the same thing now. If you're hearing that, you're feeling, you're feeling a weight, a pressure on your chest, a, an unction in your gut, and somebody, it's just something that's saying, I need to, I need to respond to this somehow. I need to, I need to say yes. That's the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart right now saying, hey, the grave is empty. Let me come into your heart. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We hope this message spoke to you and is going to be helpful as you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out to us with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services at the Lockport, Illinois Moose Lodge, Sundays at 10 on 10. Have a blessed rest of your day.